This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI-audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you again. Hello. Lovely to be here. I'm not going stir crazy in lockdown, I promise. I'm not. Uh, with me, as always, Sean Priest is in his shed in Manchester, England. Hello, Sean. Hello, Stephen. That was a very happy hello there. It started off so positive. Keep it up. Yeah, and then it turned into something from The Shining, Yes, <laughs> as often is the case on this programme. Uh, we've got a special guest with us this week, Sean. Ooh, well, you say special. Um, he's definitely a guest, let's put it that way. You know, I love when we bring our friends on because um, we can just slaughter them and everybody <laughs> thinks we hate them. And we don't because we're all good friends. Although, in fairness, we haven't spoken for ages. It's Scott, who you might know from Audio Pizza. He also is known as The Kayaker. Hello, Scott. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing great here in the U.S. of A. It's great over here. Yeah, things are going really well. Um, yeah, yeah. People are dropping like flies. Yeah, your, your politics yeah. is going well. I hear your president's quite good. Yeah, we're in great shape. Well, that went downhill quick. <laughs> but we're putting on a good face. You'll get through it. That's the thing I love about Americans. They're so positive all the time. I yeah. don't know how you keep it up. Well, I know, I know how you don't keep it up, because you don't. Uh, you, you, this is obviously all a lie. But, um, you know, I don't know how the others manage it. <laughs> Just, yeah. Oh, we can't say much. We voted for Brexit and we've got Boris Johnson. So, you know, we can't Come on, say no much politics. No politics. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's go. All right, fine, fine. Uh, Scott, how are you coping with lockdown? It's It's been annoying. As you know, if, if you rely on touch and uh, close... Uh, proximity to others for assistance it's not the best of time to be accidentally bumping into people or or trying to read braille or grope for things that uh, you're trying to look for out there in case there might be something <laughs> dangerous on them yeah which usually happens when there's not a pandemic but in this case it's it's extra bad yes yes so no I'm, we're, we're making the best of it though um trying to adapt do what we can uh you know thank goodness for delivery services and uh, their slots opening up finally. I can actually get food brought in now. And uh, But hanging in there, trying to survive, stay positive, and uh, make the best of this situation. At least in my state, we're doing okay, though. We're starting to turn around. Mm. And we're not as bad as some of the, the southern states, which are in denial. We're denial, people. that's the perfect term, yeah, I yeah. think. Isn't that the biggest problem, though, I, I, I've had? I know, look, look, it goes without saying that the whole lockdown and the corona pandemic had tragedy and everything but for me personally the the biggest issue has been those online delivery slots yeah um, it's a real hassle but that, that it has eased off a little bit now yeah i think so i think i think the the panic buying has gone yeah well i think we've we know a lot more about the virus now though the wearing of uh, masks on your face does a lot to reduce the spread of this and that one single step um, is at least helping my state we seem to be behaving and doing the following the rules pretty well and uh, we're trending in the right direction, even though we've started to open up uh, some businesses um, starting uh, this month. And things are seeming OK, at least from the data. So um, we've got a good leadership at our state level. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's a, of course, it's a challenge. And you're right. I mean, and it's funny because we do think about things like online deliveries. And, you know, I, I'm very fortunate and I see myself as very fortunate because I haven't been directly affected by this. I think I may have had it at one point. Um, but And it did knock me out for a while. It was not the most pleasant experience. Whether it was the actual virus, I don't know. I mean, I'll never know until they can come up with an antibody test that tells you the truth. But I, you know, that's the closest I've got to. I'm very lucky. Family have been, you know, touch wood, so far so good. Everything's fine. Everyone's been good. 
Um, I think it's obviously a lot of people have been impacted by this personally, and, and that can be a real that that's the tragedy of this. And, yeah. and I think when we talk about numbers and we're talking about turning it around, it often feels a bit feels difficult to say it, doesn't it? Because you're thinking, well, there are people sitting there thinking, but I've lost my loved ones here, and you're all celebrating because you can get back out and you know buy Apple products. Yeah. Um, you know, which you know, and, and that's of course crazy because you can just get them delivered. But um, oh, Steve, oh, come on, come I mean, on, blue, now. Yeah. <laughs> You don't need to go out to the shops anymore. And that's the thing. I, you know, and I know this is a bit of an aside, but I think when it comes to shopping, I honestly don't think I'll be out shopping again for a very long time. And it's that no-touch thing, which is a big part of it. I mean, I can't imagine how you buy clothes anymore. Not that I've ever really bothered about that anyway. But no. when it came to, you know, like electronics, you know, if you go to an electronics store, you go to a Best Buy or something, how are you going to be able to pick things up, try things out. You know, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. A lot of these stores are implementing these no-touch policies. Uh, and even getting to the store and being safe at the same time, you know, it's all very difficult. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's for me. I think online is, is the key. And I, I actually think the bigger conversation for us down the line will be, um, and it comes back to a point I've raised many times, which Sean, speaking of being in denial, Scott, Sean <laughs> is very much in denial on this, and that is the accessibility of the web. Uh, he thinks that every website's great because he only uses Amazon and uh, his local food delivery company. <laughs> Fake news. I'm saying it's a lot better than it used to be. Uh, it's it's improved. A lot of the CMS systems out there, like WordPress, which are so incredibly popular, have accessibility built in, and they do a good job with it. That's all I'm saying. No. That's right, because Best Buy in Canada is run on WordPress, isn't it? The White House is, apparently. <laughs> Says it all. Uh, okay, so <laughs> that's the only thing about it that's uh, this, this redeeming it. feature at the moment. Okay, well, look, let's get away from the politics. Let's get away from the virus. Let's talk about why we wanted you here, Scott. Um, I mean, aside the fact we just want to get you on the show for a long time, but, mm. but I'm really glad you came on this week because Apple have had their WWDC event and um, there's been a lot of conversation around accessibility. Uh, you had a chance to attend a couple of them, of, of the events virtually, obviously, um, and, and you know, kind of get an ear on what is actually going on out there in terms of development of apps and development of new features as well that we're seeing in, for example, and we'll talk about Apple's iPad Pro that's got the LiDAR scanner in there and how that kind of new technology will be used by third-party apps. Now, before we bore everybody to death with development talk, because, you know, I get bored senseless, and I will be cutting you off if you start to bore me, either of you, uh, because I will just get fall asleep with this stuff. But I do know it's important, and it is important because it comes to the... You know, for someone like me, who's a, an idiot, who's going to, you know, get all this at the end of the day, and I'll be sitting here in six months' time going, I love the LiDAR scanner because it does all these great things now. What is it at the moment? I'm like, what does this thing do? Why do I care? Um, but that's the point, isn't it? That development is key here, Scott. You know, the, the, the development of products, uh, you know, and Apple opening up these products to third-party developers is going to make a difference to us all. Absolutely. I mean, your phone is nothing without the software that you use to run it and that's given to us by all the developers out there. But, Stephen, you know, step back a little bit. You say that... Um, Am I too close? Sorry, hang on. There we are. <laughs> Social distancing. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, social. laughs> you say you're, you're an idiot, but what, I am. what has come such a long way in the, Apple, in the Apple developer community is that even you can make your own iOS applications. Apple, no, come on. No, I'm totally serious. I, that's the one one thing that I was reflecting back. I was this with the with 
the main topic of the developer conference sort of being the announcement of moving to Apple Silicon, that took me back to when I was actually in um, San Jose at the convention center during the same thing when Steve Jobs uh, announced the migration to PowerPC. Um, I was at that WWDC in person, and it, it took me right back. And I'm thinking about how hard it was to build Mac apps. There was no iOS back then, of course. Um, Mac apps at the time, and how easy it has become now to get started as, as a developer to do simple things. And Apple's introduce, introduction of the Swift Playground, uh, you know, students from elementary school through high school through college are using that platform and the online instruction to build their own little apps. And you saw that in some of the um, uh, dis, uh, school challenge, the, the 350, I think, students won Apple WWDC jackets from their developments. Um, and the apps were all over the place, you know, from a little kid who wanted to make an alarm app to, to make sure that he would wake up because he was oversleeping and he had to run around the house and use QR codes and this and that. So a lot of cool apps that can be done, but the process is accessible even now, way more so than it was, you know, 20 years ago when the switch to power PC happened or thereabouts. Well, that's, that's interesting you bring that up because th that is one thing about this and Microsoft as well have done their bit. Uh, Code Jumper is their yep. version of this, I guess. Um, I, I don't pretend I know anything about app development, but I, I agree with you that the process seems to be simpler. I think it involves mathematics, to my understanding, which is obviously where it falls apart <laughs> for me. Uh, but I think you're right. I think for I mean, I, I think of a, a kid now, and I think if I was growing up now as a blind kid, I'd be really and i think i'd say this to any parent out there who's who's maybe has a blind child who's thinking what, what will my child do get your kid into coding because yeah. that is the future i mean you know i always used to say you know the world is going to be full of robots in the future so learn how to fix the robots um and you know in this case program the robots to do things for good not bad um oh <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Sean. Uh, but that's the thing. I think it's it's important that you know people know that the capability is there, and we're in a really good place. I'm not sure my brain is capable of any of this stuff, but I think you're right. The tools are definitely there for other people and for the kids now, especially and younger people, and even anybody who's had a a past involvement with coding will be able to probably use those skills to to make this uh, this Swift Playground thing work. Well, I'll give you a challenge. I, I challenge you to take a look at. Uh, Swift Playground, and see if you can't handle it, because I bet you'd be surprised. I think when I was in my prime coding, you know, the my mentors would say, you don't know what it's like if you haven't had to code in a punch card and do debugging with stacks, and like you've got those what? C and high-level languages, and now it's like, you guys got it so easy, the, you young snipper-snappers, you'd be able to whip up something in Swift in like three lines. It's like, you don't know what it was like back when you had to do all this stuff and see. Yeah, to use a shovel. Yeah. yeah, yeah How exactly. old are you, kayaker? Uh, <laughs> Thousand. <laughs> I thought stack. I think when I think stacks, I think pancakes. Um, maybe that's just me. But it is important to, to um, emphasize that it is accessible. The accessibility in coding now yeah. has come mm. a long way, especially the Swift Playground. I took a look at the, and I would recommend everyone does this, is take a look at the Apple Developer app. You can download it for iOS. And uh, it's got access to these sessions on here. And you look at the accessibility in Swift Playground session. It's really interesting. The stuff that yeah. they do there, and it's it's specifically a woman using voiceover. It's, um, yeah, it does get you interested. I mean, yeah, I, I probably won't pick it up, but I'm interested. Yeah. Mm. Anyone who's curious should give it a shot. Now, 
it certainly is a lot harder without vision and using voiceover. It's it's harder to find syntax errors and stuff like that, but it is doable. Uh, it just takes a lot more time. And if you have the patience, you can get something up and running that you might be able to uh, use to solve one of your problems that you, you, you need to solve, you yeah. know, whether it's so, an alarm clock to make yourself actually get up out of your bed. <laughs> yeah. Sean. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> okay, Sean. Um, <laughs> I th- actually, do you know, he has no problem waking up in the morning, nor oh. going to sleep at night. I'll tell you that because at night time he is. I, I sound like I live with a guy. I don't, but I just know his routine, and he falls asleep <laughs> at eight o'clock every Feels night. Feels like we live together most of the time. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. Early to bed, early to rise. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a wise guy. What can you say? Um, I don't know where to go. Anyway, aside <laughs> short sleeping arrangements. Um, so let's. <laughs> I was going to move on, but carry on, Stephen. Well, I was going to say, you know, so that's that's the kind of third-party side of it. And I think, you know, obviously we're seeing the, the capability now for blind people to get engaged in coding. Um, I do think, and I'll just say this one point on the on the Swift Playground thing. I think all these things are always aimed at kids, and this irritates me to some degree. I don't have children. I find them irritating. <laughs> and I I don't want everything to be aimed at kids all the time. I want I want a theme park developed for adults. No kids allowed. That's what I want. I want a Disneyland for adults. I believe that's called Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, I've, well, yeah, well, I've been there. Uh, that's 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 good fun. Yeah, that's that's very good fun. Um, but I, I think that you know it is aimed at kids a lot of the time, and I think there's a lot of people who are my age who might be thinking, well, it'd be kind of nice to get into this. You know, especially a lot of people who might be looking for a change in career. Um, blind people are no different to anyone else, and you know, if, and look at the numbers of blind people out of work. Yeah. You know, th- there's huge opportunity here to get people into to jobs perhaps self-employment or working in development. But, you know, obviously we have to get past this idea that people have of blind people of being generally useless at everything. Um, and we have got to get rid of that no- not nonsense and instead, you know, showcase what we can do. And this is one area we can excel in for sure. But let's talk about more widely what WWDC is. I mean, obviously it is a developer conference. It is for those third parties. But we're seeing a lot of new features coming through Apple products, Scott. And I'm, I'm interested to know what you think things like the LiDAR scan that I mentioned. First of all, maybe explain what that is for people who don't know, like me. Well, on some of the newest iPads, they've added um, a light detect the LiDAR, um, sort of it's like radar, but with uh, infrared light. Um, and what that allows you to do is get much more accurate uh, distance um, bearings on objects in the room. So they use that for facial recognition to, to get a better map for your face, but it can also be used to get information about your environment. And one of the um, – there's sort of two technologies that sort of use this, the, the what they call the AR kit, which is the augmented reality kit, which is used to sort of place virtual objects on scenes that you see through your character uh, – your, um, your screen to your room. So you, for example, know how a new IKEA couch will fit in your living room. You know, it can be virtually placed there. Mm. But they also have the the um, vision toolkit, which is sort of their uh, processing of scenes and pictures. And they use that for um, facial recognition in the Photos app, for example, to recognize who's who and things like that. And those two um, APIs, they've added a new feature this year, which is the they've opened up the the depth information for that um, lidar information. So now not only do you have a sort of this plain information of of surfaces of objects, you know, rectangles and walls and surface tabletops and things like that, you also have much better depth information for how far those things are away. And although 
they usually talk about it in terms of you know gaming and augmented reality um, or navigation directions. It's also the same type of technology that you need to develop things like are in the um, the OrCam, where you're saying, okay, there is a table and it's three meters to the right at one o'clock. And that type of technology can easily lend itself. And I've been preaching this, I think, for the last three years when they first announced ARKit, that you're going to start to see these types of apps open up. And um, you're seeing some of it now in, in applications like Seeing AI, where it's processing through the, the vision toolkit and making estimates of, hey, here's a table, here are faces, you know, things like that. You're starting to see the fruits of that. And now you're, you're having the groundwork for much more accurate navigation apps that you would see for things like indoor navigation. And I expect that'll be the, the next type of um, apps that we're going to see on our phones to support us in, you know, indoor navigation situations where we sort of lose the GPS connectivity. Uh, mm. And I find that very exciting. I, I, I can't wait to see what's next and, and how this evolves. And that's sort of what the, um, that's how I see the, the depth APIs and the LiDAR being used for, for us, not just for the AR gaming and, and directional navigations where you can have, you know, signs over buildings and stuff like that. But I, I remember you being on this show and I said to you, what on earth are we going to benefit from yeah. uh, augmented reality? Um, and we talked about this, I think it was last year or even year before when we when this was all coming out. And, and I did pose that question to you. And I think I'm starting to realize now that the potential benefits here especially with something like this scanner being built into the, the current iPad Pro, right. uh, which which is, you know, an amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's also going to be built into what we hope is going to be built into something like Apple Glass. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to ask you, from your understanding of this particular piece of technology, how good is it operating real time? How good is it for knowing if, if I was walking down the street, say, with Apple Glass on, how good would it be to be able to perhaps recognize depth? I'm thinking for for myself here, right? Yeah. I use a white cane primarily because I have issues with depth. So I've got no idea when a step's coming up. I can't tell you steps at all. You know, it, it could could something like this help in that regard, potentially? I think so. But I, I think you're going to see that mostly on the more advanced phones. I think it will run in real time on slower devices, but you, you really want to have um, one of the more recent phones, maybe from the, the, the 10S and above, that type of processor is where you're going to be able to see that stuff handling very smoothly in real time. And um, the fact that Apple is now taking control, I mean, this is part of the, the benefit of Apple doing its own silicon, and you're seeing that in the Macs. It's taking advantage of this. And the phones, they're able to optimize and put things that they want in their silicon that deals with this type of machine learning and processing so it can get that type of information and respond quickly. Um, there were several demos um, in, the, in the more detailed sessions, and the real-time processing for this type of stuff is phenomenal. Um, the, the, hand, the hand gestures are sort of jumping around, but the, the, the new technology where they are tracking your motion points on your, your, your body they're tracking every single joint on your finger, you know, the center of your wrist, your elbow, you know, all the little points on your hand. They're tracking in real time and being able to interpret things like gestures so that you can sketch, you know, virtually sketch by just having the camera follow your hand. It is that fast and that accurate. 
Um, there certainly are some limitations and assumptions being made. Uh, things you know, you, you kind of want to have be the only hand in this in the picture, if at all possible, or at least you know your two hands. But the um, the speed at which it recognizes this stuff blows my mind, and that is uh, directly because of Apple building um, custom hardware that allows for these types of machine learning and interpreting. Um, directly on device and and not having to be sent out. So it is a darn fast, impressive piece of hardware in your phone that you're carrying around. So I think the new devices, you're going to be blown away. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, they they really are amazingly powerful. You know, the latest uh, generations of Apple Silicon, as they're calling it now. But uh, going back to the LiDAR, kayaker i want to say that yes it's something i'm really excited about but i think we do need to curb people's expectations a little bit not on what the technology can do because after listening to what you've had to say it's it's even more exciting but as to when we're actually going to see it or be able to use it um i think we are looking you know a good two three years before we see any use for us in the lidar technology future yeah. when you say we're not talking in in the next iPhone release. No, I, I think you're I think this technology is going to be maybe 2 years downstream. We'll we'll see this because we want it on all, we we don't want it on the iPad. We don't want to lug around an iPad and pointing at stuff. We want no. this stuff small on a on lanyard. Every, on yeah. I don't know. You'd look like a Teletubby. I'd like that. <laughs> we want it on <laughs> our screen in your belly. <laughs> and we want it in a small portable way that we can use to scan a room. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and I think it's it's twofold though isn't it it's not just that the technology will be two years away or i mean well the technology is already here but it's it's how it will be implemented and developed and then used and that's probably two years away isn't it before we get to a point where there's something functional like that like right now they just opened up the access to get the depth information mm. so you know nothing is shipping right now but the fact that they've exposed it you know makes people wonder and i wouldn't be surprised that you see you know, the same types of functionality growing in, in seeing AI as new features are released. You're, you're going to get much more useful information about uh, um, pictures. And it, it's not just the LiDAR as well. It's also the um, the multiple cameras on the back of the phone. That's being able to do stereoscopic stuff and making other um, information. So between the, the stereoscopic cameras and the LiDAR stuff, you are building a, a virtual map of depth information in what you see in your camera view. And that has great potential for, you know, pointing out obstacles and trying to identify objects and what they actually are. So let me ask you a question I never thought I'd ever ask on this program. <laughs> what benefit will all of this have to sighted people? Oh, because if you think about it, right, we, we see all the huge benefits here for us. And actually, I, I, I can only see those benefits at the moment. I mean, other than games and, you know, augmented reality stuff, which all feels a bit gimmicky. What's the benefit of all of this for the general public? Well, I think that type of information is um, more more informational for accurately positioning information. Um, imagine that you're in a you're in a museum and you're you're examining a sculpture or something. Having that that depth information, the museum can pinpoint specific things and bring certain things to your attention. I think it's more of a an accuracy of information for for the augmented reality stuff. The other information that people would use it for is, um, you know, the facial recognition stuff and identifying various people. That's sort of a background task. So um, 
you can, you know, run through your photo library and make, you know, that this technology exists now, but it, that this will grow and become better, you know, being able to recognize family members so you can say, you know, show me all the pictures of Sean, and they'll be able to expand it to different right. things like animals and, you know, show me uh, everything with your with your pet Fido. <laughs> Fido. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that was a good question, actually, because we do focus yeah. on the, you know, accessibility, mobility side of things. Yeah. And uh, I always think that this AR is specifically entertainment and games. You know, we're talking about the next step in tech going to be the wearable, probably the smart glasses, you know, and it seems like it would be important for the the overlay of digital information on the real world. And in order to do that in a convincing way, you need to understand the depth and where objects are in the real world. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exciting. It is. It really is. And, and the fact that Apple's opening this API, as I said, I can't just, I, I'm, I can't wait to see what developers are going to do with this. And especially the folks at, uh, you know, the Seeing IA app, I, I can see that being expanded and embedded into the scene information for maybe indoor navigation coming soon. Very interesting indeed. Uh, look, we've got lots more to come here on uh, Double Tap Canada this week. And uh, Scott, uh, thank you so much for coming. I really do appreciate it. Uh, it's always good to hear from you. I hope to hear from you again soon. Uh, are you still doing that audio pizza podcast? Uh, on occasion, the social distancing has made it a bit rough, but I think we've mm. got a couple episodes coming up. Um, I intend to do uh, sort of a, a headphone uh, blitzkrieg review of everything that supports sort of ambient sound, because I think that's mm. important to Ooh. us. So. Look for that coming up soon. That's something else I've got to edit. Nice one. Thank you, Kayaku. <laughs> You're welcome, Sean. You're welcome. Keeps them busy. Keeps them busy. Uh, Scott, thanks a lot for coming on, and uh, we will catch you again soon. No problem. Anytime. Thanks. Uh, so, yeah, stick around. We're going to be checking out your emails shortly. We're also going to be checking in uh, with uh, some of our listeners' comments. Oof, we'll get into that please next. Please be kind. On Double Tap Canada. <laughs> And now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. And Sean's in charge of the uh, phone-in number this week, so if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, uh, Sean, what do they do? You can call us on one 509 4545 but you must give us permission to use your audio on air, or Stephen gets in trouble. Ah, yeah, so you say that, but you see, I've told you before, <laughs> custard is coming your way. Uh, and there's a line you didn't think you'd hear today. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's, it, was, it was great having Scott on, or the kayaker. As he the kayaker, as he's known. Yeah, Mr. Security. So security conscious, he won't even tell us his real name. Well, I think you know, it's hilarious. It's, yeah, no, I've known him for years. I still don't know his <laughs> real name. But anyway, his um, the deep dive into it from a developer point of view and, you know, Kayaker's worked in this and worked on that end and that angle of it for such a long time. Um, it's interesting because you get you get that other side to it, that aspect that we really don't know about. And you know, mm. as he said, there's some interesting things, particularly, ah, man, I want that real time lidar. I know, and it's interesting. So in the UK, it's just been announced that uh, Ira is being launched in the UK. That's been a long time coming. Uh, it's been around in Canada for a while, and of course, it's in the US uh, and was there primarily. And you know, I, I think that. It's an interesting time because this uh, artificial intelligence versus human involvement or human, uh, you know, assistance mm. is a really interesting place at the moment. I've seen a lot of debates kick up again about, you know, whether or not something like Ira is actually creating dependence or aiding independence. Because, you know, the, the idea is that independence is getting a machine to do it. 
because you're you're okay you're you're needing something else to do it but it's not human so some people don't feel comfortable with that and they prefer the idea of using the technology so something like for example walking through uh, and using the LiDAR scanner eventually, not right now, but eventually getting to a place where it could help you with your mobility, being able to identify the wheelie bin before you walk into it. You know, almost for those people who don't want a guide dog or who can't have a guide dog for whatever reason, would be able to use the sensors, the, this kind of technology in the smartphone when it arrives to aid mobility and, and aid getting around. And that could be an interesting place for us because then it, you know, it becomes, as, as we all know, guide dogs are great because they help you avoid obstacles. A white yeah. cane lets you find an obstacle. Whereas this it, it kind of is, is that thing in the middle. And you know, the question, I guess, is, is it independence if you're using technology or is it dependence or is it dependence when you're using a service like Kyra? You know, what? versus, and it's, it's a really, and, and what's the future of a company like Kyra if this technology gets really good? There's too many questions there, oh. Stephen. Well, look, it's an interesting debate, but I would say, personally, what a load of rubbish. Uh, dependence, independence. At the end of the day, we need help to do whatever that well, you task do. is. You need help, especially. Look, Listen, I know so- I know. you ended up walking into a bush again or falling off a step. What was it you did this week that meant you got a big gash on your face? <laughs> Well, I've got a plaster on my forehead where I headbutted a shelf when I uh, bent down to pick sign cup, and uh, yeah, the dog jumped on my face. So, oh, you can't. Bit... Well, okay, I don't think I don't think even a lidar scanner is going to help you with that one. Well, yeah, that's true. Puppies are terrible things. But in saying that, if, for example, the lidar scanner was able to pick up the shelf before you whacked your head into it, that would have been helpful. Yes. Yeah, but look, what I'm saying is, don't don't distract me here. Don't deflect. <laughs> what we're talking about is by using facts. It doesn't matter about independence or dependence. At the end of the at the end of the day, we need assistance, right? And if it's human or it's AI, it's all about what's best, what works the best for us. And currently, it is human assistance that yeah. does work best for specific things. Until the internet connection goes and then you've had it. but um, Well, yeah, there is that. Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, look, we've got lots of emails and voicemails to get through. Uh, Mark's with us to go through the emails. Uh, Mark, uh, let's get to uh, one of them. Uh, let's, let's, let's kick off with an email you've got there. Email from Billy. Hey, Double Tappers. I just want to say thank you for the heads up about both frames and the company ceasing their AR development. I'd recently bought a pair, and although I was quite happy with their functionality, I was looking forward to how AR features would be added and developed further. When I heard Sean telling Tim about the article he had read regarding the announcement, I was disappointed to say the least. In fact, I was quite annoyed too because the AR features were a big selling point when the frames were initially launched. Although I did like the sound they gave off and the idea of my media coming through the glasses rather than having something jammed in my ear constantly, I wasn't prepared to pay the £200 for a novelty pair of Bluetooth headphones. I had only had them for a short while, so I was fortunate enough to be able to send them back and get a refund. There are probably a lot of people out there who are unable to do this because of the length of time they've had them, which is a real shame, and I think it's something Bose should look into. Anyway, thanks again, Sean, and keep up the good work. Oh. Best wishes, Billy Burrow. Hey, Billy. You're Thank welcome, you. Billy. Thanks for your email, Billy. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. The uh, This Bose AR frames thing, uh, I'm not sure if I should be... I'm not feeling alarmist about this. I'm not thinking it's the end. I think that this kind of technology is just at the beginning, actually. Um Maybe not the AR part, clearly from Bose, that's finished. But the the glasses with the audio in them, I think, will continue. I hope there's a version 2, although, eh, who knows? If they've taken the AR part away, maybe that's a selling point that, that Bose wanted to, to uh, maximise on and, and now it isn't going to. 
Well, well I, don't I, know. I, I, I totally agree with Billy here. Um, basically, you're paying for uh, a, a Bluetooth headset. The forum factor. Pretty good one, that, though. Yes, it is a good one. Is it a $200 one? When you put those other sensors that they use for the AR, the head tracking sensors in there, does that bump the price up to that £200 mark or $200 mark? Um, and at the end of the day, could we just have the Bose AR frames without the AR, just the Bluetooth? And they mm. would be just as good because that's what you are saying is that they're great uh way to listen to audio and there's other options out there at the moment so i don't know i i do think it's disappointing because people have bought these on the strength of the augmented reality and they no longer can do that and i think he's got a point that um maybe there should be some redress for that see that word i used redress. I, I, was quite, I know i'm staggered i'm glad i was sitting down used a word that uh <laughs> That didn't involve food, which was impressive. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I, it is interesting to see uh, this development of the... And I was really excited when the Bose frames came out because I thought, oh, this will be interesting. What will it be like from Bose? The biggest surprise I got about them was the, the microphone in them. I remember calling you on the first day or yeah. one of the first days and, and I said, how clear am I? And you said, I can't tell the difference. The best Bluetooth microphone I've heard yeah. at, ever. It's really good. And we're hearing now Aftershocks are um, coming out. Now, this is an interesting story. Aftershocks is uh, bringing out OptiShocks, which are the glasses version of, um, well, the, the, the bone conduction headphones and headsets they've, they've had for a long time. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not officially Aftershocks. As I had a chat with the company about this, and it's not officially them. It's, it? it's a licensing deal that they've got. So another company are essentially manufacturing the OptiShocks uh, using the Aftershocks name that's been licensed. So it's not the same company. It's not, it's not, it's perfectly legal, but it's all just licensing. Yeah, yeah, so, nothing, yeah, yeah. nothing underhand about it. But it's all, not but... the same company. So it's not the same people who make the, the headset. So it's slightly different, but they're using similar technology. They've obviously licensed from the company to do it, which, again, sounds very interesting. And this one is interesting because the sound... If you've ever bought a pair or tried a pair of these Aftershocks headsets, the sound is kind of almost in the same position where the Bose Frames audio comes from, which is on the arms of the of the glasses, which I've got. Um, that's kind of the same position where the audio comes from. It kind of the, the speakers, if you like, almost sit on your cheekbones, so just just you know beside your eyes, really, and that's where the audio comes from on the uh, on the Aftershocks headsets. But the glasses, actually the audio comes from behind the ear. So what happens oh. is you, you wear the glasses, you put them on, and then the the arms of the glasses kind of bend behind your ear. And then it's just you know between your lobe and your head is where the audio goes in, which is very it, bizarre. It's still using the bone conduction. Yes, the same, to, same thing. Oh, right. Just a different. It's almost like they've just found another way in. I, you know what? I, I, the aftershocks have been incredibly popular. I know loads of people have, who've bought them for years. Um, I don't get on with them. I, I don't like the. It, it's almost. I don't know if I've got weird bones in my head, but it sort of tickles me. Uh, I'm, I'm not. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. A You're listening to it too loud. Well, I'm, I'm an old man. I need it loud. But yeah, look, it's another option. I think there's there should be a, a slew of sunglasses with Bluetooth speaker functionality that you know well there are i mean you, you go into amazon you'll find a well there ton you go i mean that's all China. you need you don't need you should be able to pick them up to next to nothing so mm. I, I think there's options out there 
and you know the OptiShocks are coming in. I don't have prices yet, uh, but they're coming soon. Uh, and I am intrigued to try these because I think it'll be interesting to hear how that works with the sound coming in from the back rather than well, from the. It's still going to sound like it's in the middle of your head, isn't it? It's almost like floating yeah, audio yeah. because you can still. The whole thing about aftershocks and bone conduction is that you can hear all your environmental audio around you because your ears are clear so yeah i'm sure they'll be great um you know they're not great for music or anything like that but they're great for voiceover and um turn-by-turn navigation so yeah you'll have to check them out you might remember a while back i got uh i think it was last no it wasn't last year year before i got a playstation virtual reality helmet for uh for christmas i got uh, my wife got me one and Spoil. um i i yeah i know i know i am <laughs> This this is at the point where it was like there is literally nothing else in the electronic <laughs> store that I didn't have. So this was the one she chose, and I was I, we we both really enjoyed it for a long time. I think both of us have kind of gone past the point of being able to fully enjoy it the way we did. But at the same time, it's it's really good. But one thing weirdly, the one thing that came out of that was a headset which actually came included with the the virtual reality. Uh, headset itself and you can obviously buy ones that go in your ears and actually I should be clear on this the headset actually has its own inbuilt uh, pair of earphones that you push into your ears which uh, operate with the headset and then that's all that's all wonderful and it gives you the, the full 3d sound and all the rest of it but there is an option if you're not using the headset so I'm just getting this right in my own head here it was you Remembering how it works. It's been a while. Uh, but actually, it, it's not for the headset. I'm, tell, I'm telling you a lie. It's not the headset. It's the remote control for the PlayStation. It actually has its own inbuilt headphone jack, which lets you put in a headset of your own. Now, it could be, you know, those big over, overhead earphones you could yes. put on with a microphone attached. You could use them with it. But what you actually get with it is a single ear headset. Just a single ear. It's basically just like your, your very cheap, basic you know, little earphones that you would plug in. They don't push right into your ear. They just kind of sit in your yeah. ear. You know, those kind of cheapy ones. But it's a single ear with a microphone. And I found that to be incredibly good uh, for JAWS on the PC because of my laptop, the, the Lenovo laptop I've got for work. It's got one of those uh, single headphone jacks that incorporates the headphone as well as the microphone. So you just put one single jack in and it, and it covers both. And I put that jack in and I listen to JAWS. It's very nice to listen to. And it does give me a sense of environment around me without having anything jammed in my ear. Um, it just it just sits in my ear. It's cost something like $5. I mean, it's nothing. <gasps> I want and you one. can buy them on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, and do you know they're really good. So if you are looking for just a simple headphone jack, I would you know headphone with a headphone jack, that would be the one I would would look at. It's really really nice, and it's quite robust. It's as well. rare that you get those single earpiece ones that actually have a microphone in them as well. Because I know a lot of people, and I'll say I don't recommend this. I don't know if this will break anything, but I know a few people that have took the Apple earbuds and cut one of them off. Oh, I've done, I did that on your recommendation once. Oh, well, um, I'm not recommending it anymore. Did it work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked fine. Although, just be careful where you cut the wire, obviously. Um, but I think if you if you just snip one off, you're all right. But no, you don't have to do that. You can actually buy these. Uh, and if you just if you want to know what it is, I, I just googled uh, Sony PS4 uh, earpiece, and that's what came up. And uh, because I wanted more of them, I bought like three sets of them because I thought I'm just going to have these in the house. Yeah, why not? So I've got them because they're so and cheap you always lose and them. they're great. Well, that's and they break. Yeah. I mean, although in saying that, I say they break. I've been using this one now for a good while and it hasn't broken at all uh, and i'm pretty rough with, the, with this especially when you're pulling the wire you're very out all the time and who makes that sorry Stephen? sony oh, or that's... sony or i don't know how you say it <laughs> thank you okay charming 
Um, here I'm giving nuggets of advice here, and this is the response we get. Right, okay, let's get another email then. I hope that helps, Billy. I don't know if it does, but well. We agree, <laughs> Billy. Well, I do. Yeah. He agrees, and I agree with everything, I think. Right, okay, let's get another email. Mark. Mark Flalo's here with the emails. Uh, right, Mark, what else have you got? Brian Gaff writes, I'm also told that it will now be possible to record stereo sound on the internal mics, which previously was only possible on video recordings or using external hardware. I'm not sure whether that advantage would make me want to chance all the random bugs they normally include free with the first iteration of a new operating system. I would, though, love to ditch their email software for one that has all the options in one layer, so one doesn't have to investigate more or go to settings to turn threading off all the time and make it work as well as Outlook Express. I'm old school. I just want a keyboard or a gesture and a reply. It seems hard to do this in Apple's system. Also, they seem to use IMAP. I'd love to see POP3 so I could use auto-sorting messages and have them offline and not dictated by the vagaries of the ISPs. Not so worried about Safari, would prefer not to have that ticking clock noise when pages load, preferring a percentage or a rising tone. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of things in there. We're, of course, talking here about the WWDC announcements uh, and this news that... Uh, and it's an interesting one here because I kind of thought this was already going on, that you could already harness the power of the stereo microphones to record, so but it doesn't seem to have been the case. Yeah, I, I was. I thought, well, you can do that already. So what it's saying is that in iOS 14, you'll be able to use the inbuilt microphones of your iPhone in stereo, so you can record stereo audio. And like you, mm. I thought, well, surely that happens already. But when you think about it, no, it doesn't. It's only with microphone stereo microphones or equipment that you attach to the lightning port or in the camera app it will record in stereo but now they're opening that up to any app can use the built-in mics in stereo which i suppose is good i mean i don't know yeah i mean i think for doing interviews or for uh, certain types of recording i know there's lots of work being done um, on voice memos for example uh, to create better recordings there's a lot of eliminating background noise uh, going to be going on with the new uh, voice memos app and that'll be across both uh, the the iPhones, uh, also the iPads, and obviously on the Macs as well. I didn't know this, but in the 16-inch MacBook Pro and in the latest iPad Pro, I think in the 2018 as well as the 2020 versions, they have um, better microphones. They have studio-grade microphones in them. I didn't know this. Uh, I don't know how good that is. Yes. Um, I will say one thing. The iPad Pro 2020 that I've got, the sound is amazing. I mean, the audio quality is yeah, the best. Yeah, Apple do a I've great heard. job on their speakers on their laptops. Uh, no, this is the iPad. This is the iPad uh, oh, Pro. Oh, the iPad. Yeah, sorry. Yes, yes. But I mean, uh, you know, go, going back to the iPad Mini, uh, and funnily enough, uh, one thing I got, which we haven't talked about, uh, it's over here. I've got it as. Um, what have <laughs> you got now? This is the Fire HD Plus, the 8, that oh. I was telling you about before. Um, it's all right. Yeah. It's okay. Um, but. You know, it's... Sounds like a song you were going to sing then. Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it's not, it's it's not the best. I mean, look, if you're using an iPad Pro 2020 and then you go to a Fire HD 8, whether it be plus or not, (laughs) you're not going to get, you know, the experience at all. Uh, But maybe for a first time user, and certainly someone who's coming to, you know, tablets for the first time, it might be a good option. Certainly, it's a lot cheaper than an iPad. That's yeah, for sure. just look at the price difference. I mean, well, that's right. But what but is, it, I mean, and that is fully accessible. I mean, that's the thing. It is accessible. Uh, and I, I sometimes think we're unfair. Well, look, I think we're unfair with this sometimes because we're spoiled with all the Apple technology. But, you know, a lot of people out there can't afford the Apple stuff. So what, what do they do? Yeah. And, you know, I think for that reason, you know, tablets like that are actually a really good idea. 
Um, well, they are. I, look, I've got an Amazon Fire tablet as well. I've got a couple of them, I think. But how often do I actually pick that up? I, I'm, yeah. the, the accessibility is there, but if the performance isn't there and the accessibility becomes frustrating, then you just don't want to use it. You get what you pay for, I guess. Yeah. I also, just to Brian's point about email, I totally agree. I think that the iOS app is the one I tend to go to most with mail, and I do find that whole threading thing an absolute nightmare. Uh, I, I love, I'm with you, Brian, I love being old school with my email. I want every single email separate yeah. so that I know all my replies, I know what everything is. I don't want it threaded in conversations that I have to try and negotiate. I know, I turn it's, that off. It is easier on the Mac, I will say that. It is easier on the Mac because you can just arrow right on an email and it will give you the full list of all the emails and the replies. So it is, it's kind of that, you know, it gives you everything, but then you can also have a look at individually. So you can get through your, your mail list quicker and you can get rid of them quicker as well. So if you've got a thread you're done with, you just hit delete once and it's gone. Uh, but don't, you have that with um, iOS. Don't you think that they're just trying to make email too complicated? It's such a simple system. And yet the one I'm using at the moment, you know, it's, okay, here's your focused emails. And here's mm. your other ones. Which ones do you oh, want yeah, to see? Yeah. I just want to see them all. You know, yeah, like, don't, right. don't decide for me. Yeah, how does it know what I want to know? Exactly. I, mean, I, want, to, I want to know about, you know, um, opportunities in Nigeria. Of course, for, yes. You know, and giving ignore my money all Stephen Scott's emails. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> You know, all that stuff. Um, okay, shall we get another email? Yes. Okay. Mark, what have you got? Was listening to Double Tap with interest and the debate over JAWS and other screen readers. Oh, yeah. I write as someone who has been using screen readers and speech outputs since about 1990, and JAWS since about 97 and version 3. Right. The comment that JAWS might be the best screen reader for the workplace, where non-standard software is being used, had some validity, and I write as someone who had to use Lotus Notes, made sort of accessible with oh. much scripting. But for the home user or small business using off-the-shelf standard software, I think you cannot beat NVDA or NV Access. The commercial model of JAWS where sighted folks are getting rich off the backs of Blindbound and always have their hands out for more and more money, and very often this is the government or charity pound, stinks. Where else would you be prepared to pay, let's say, 500 pounds for a laptop and then up to another 1,000 to have it speak? Can you imagine a sighted person buying a computer and then paying a thousand pounds for a screen that only works on some software, some of the time, and regularly stops working? And the idea of renting the software on a monthly basis, I refer you to the previous sighted person and the screen analogy. I have JAWS 2019, which is apparently old, and I have to buy an update. If it's an iOS device, the update is free. I've tried using a given website with my supposedly old JAWS 2009 on Firefox, Internet Explorer, Bravo and Chrome, and struggle, run NVDA, and it works fine. If you buy an iOS device, then it works out of the box for a visually impaired person. The screen reader is updated where the operating system is updated, and there are apps written specifically for that screen reader, and to a lesser extent, but nevertheless still free with Macs. Buy a PC, and nothing comes close, apart from NVDA. Nowadays, again with my 20-plus years experience using JAWS, I recommend NV Access to home users. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? So. Yeah. Um, it's an opinion I've heard many times before, I'll be honest. But I must admit, someone who says they've got 20 plus years of experience with JAWS and they're recommending NVDA, that is that is interesting. Um, and I think it, it comes to that point, it's, it's a really nuanced debate because it does depend who's using the software and where. And it's, it goes back to the very, very early stages of, of when I started kind of dipping my toe in the water of screen readers, being absolutely stunned at how much everything cost. Yeah. 
you know, I was always so shocked at how much everything seemed to cost. Why, why am I spending all this money on a computer? And, and, and like we heard there, you're spending another $1,000 on top to make it speak. Yeah, it's a valid point. How does that work? But especially now with NVDA, and I would be challenging that person, because I don't think we've got their name, um, but I'd be challenging that person to say, right, okay, what about Narrator? You know, have you tried Narrator? Because I think a lot of people have just been put off Narrator from bad experience over the years. And and I think it is now at a point where it is it is good enough to consider, certainly for home use. I'm not saying for work, but for home use. Maybe in certain workplaces, maybe small businesses possibly. Exactly. Um, but that, see, that's, it depends on what you're using. Custom software and all that, that's where things get That's the same argument for Jules. You know, uh, yeah. most of today's screen readers, NVDA, Jules, Narrator, whatever, will work with uh, Office, Fine, and, you know, browsing the web, um, most of your system apps you know, on Windows. So it, it depends entirely if you've got software that is custom or old or whatever for employment um, and whatever works for that. I've got to say... Going back to Narrator, I had to fix someone's um, old computer recently, and um, it had updated to the latest Windows 10, and they they had some issues with it. And instead of using my NVDA on a USB pen drive, which I usually have with me, I didn't have, so I just turned on Narrator, and I was able to do everything I needed to do, and it was fine. Now, I'm still not going to switch over from NVDA to Narrator because I'm so used to NVDA. But I was surprised and um, it was perfectly usable. And in some cases, as in the Windows settings, which I had to dive into a little bit, it did work better than NVDA. But here's the thing. I don't think anybody's going to suggest, and I don't think anybody should suggest, that you move from NVDA to Narrator. Or if you're using Narrator, you know, even to NVDA. I mean, although you arguably would get more features by doing that. But the point is that you... You know, if you're using JAWS, if you're paying for JAWS, you might consider one of those other options now because, of course, the the cost and the... But again, it, it all depends on the work you're doing. Yeah, really, but the really cost does. thing is, is so important. And I've always said this. The cost of something does make it... You know, accessibility isn't just about functionality. It's about how many people have access to it. So it is important. I just think that that old way of thinking of that, that $1,000, $500 for that assistive tech... I don't think people can stomach that anymore. Look, let's get one more uh, voicemail in, actually, because we've got lots of emails, we've got lots of voicemails as well. Let's get uh, a voicemail in here uh, before we go. Hello, Sean, and support staff. <laughs> I know you and Stephen are talking about NVDA versus Windows Narrator. Oh. I've come to the point now that I have to use a screen reader. So since I'm starting from the beginning, I'm trying to figure out which one to use. I'm interested in both your opinions. Also, I realized that two years ago, Sean did a two-part series on installing and using NVDA. I saved it to my podcast app. However, during the last couple of updates, it's disappeared. Is it still available? I want to thank all you guys for all your information and humor. It's been helpful to with these trying days. Take care of yourself. Stay healthy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, great. Uh, you know, and it's great that these features can help, but of course, uh, what we're looking for here is, is, is it still available? It must be still available. Is it on our website? Uh, well, I had a look and I couldn't find it, so I'm going to see Well it. done, Sean. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, I've had a look and I can't find it on it. I was sure it was on there, so I'm going to double check. And uh, if it's not, I will put it on there. And if I can't, yeah, let's, find... let's get it posted up because that that would be great. I think everybody wants to to kind of start looking at alternatives. And you know, I think that's the thing. You know, we forget that there's people who are joining this screen reader, this exclusive screen reader club every day. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and you know, if you, you know, we need to give people choice. I mean, I'm not. I'm, please, nobody think I'm saying don't buy Jaws. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not because that would be ridiculous to say. Jaws is right for some people. Yes, I love Jaws. I use it every day. I'd be lost without it. I love it for the kind of job I do. It's it's a major part of it. There are certain features in it that I couldn't do without, and that NVDA and narrator don't have, and voiceover doesn't have. You know, I've got voiceover on the Mac as well. Um, so no, I do love having Jaws, and I, I love using it. But I am just saying that. We need to be aware of the options that are out there. The rater's getting better. NVDA is very good. So, yes. yeah. I think that's, so what that's would you recommend it. for someone to start with, though? I mean, it's, it's a tricky question now. Well, I think based on where narrator is, as good as it is, I'd recommend NVDA. Because I think what you're getting there is a good overall experience of a good quality screen reader without having to pay for it. Uh, although you can donate if you want to. You should uh, do, and and you should do. Yeah, if you're going to use it, you should stick it. You know, whatever ten dollars in the, the yeah. bucket or whatever. You know, if you can afford to. But you know that is a good screen reader. It gets you going, and because the skills you're learning are transferable now, you can switch to narrator down the line if you wanted to, or you could even upgrade to Jaws if you wanted to later down the line. I would say a good starting place for a PC user is NVDA. Yeah, do you agree with that? I, I totally. You know, I'm going to agree with NVDA. I love it, but I think the the important point to take from that is the transferable skills because a lot of the keystrokes are the same or very similar. So it, you can't really go wrong, no matter which one you go for, because you can take a lot of that learning uh, curve that you've done and transfer it to something else. You know, and a lot of the time we all use different ones. You know, I've got narrator on here and and NVDA, yeah. you know, and, and Jules if I need to on free demo. So um a lot of the time you know you'll switch through. So yeah, I don't think you can go wrong, but I've got to say NVDA I do love just because it's free and it works well. Well, look, that's us out of time. Thank you so much, Sean. And uh, also thank you to Kayaka for joining us as well this week. Uh, we will publish the NVDA articles again, so you can go and have a, a, a listen to that. And, you know, you could download them and listen to them and keep them and, you know, use them as a resource and share them as well uh, with friends. Because if there's someone who you think uh, could benefit from this, then uh, please do uh, do that. Go to our website, doubletap.online for all the information on that. Uh, that is it for the show this week. Don't forget, Double Tap TV is back uh, next week and uh, we're talking summer tech. Yes, we're heading outdoors, Sean. Oh, I don't like that at all. Sorry, we didn't invite you for that one. We knew you wouldn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, summer tech on the next Double Tap TV. We're back here next Thursday on air and on the podcast. See ya. Thank you. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. For more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.